0: Hi, this is Joe Shannon. I'm a lawyer, a husband, a father of six kids, and I also uh, host a podcast called Opening Statement with Joe Shannon. Please consider listening to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple, and any other folks that host podcasts. Just Google Joe Shannon and podcast and you'll find it. I hope you enjoyed the show. We're here with Jay Urban. How are you, Jay? I'm great, Joe. How are you today? Good, good. So, before we get started, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody?
1: uh Hi folks. My name' is Jay Urban, and I'm a trial lawyer in uh mainly Milwaukee, but I have a practice throughout the state of Wisconsin and occasionally into other states
0: so um i wanna I always like to get people's background and where they come from because I think it's fascinating how people go from you know uh either humble beginnings or some people are born into you know different situations um I know that I think I know that the road for Jay Urban starts somewhere in Toma, Wisconsin. Am I right about that? Uh, well, it depends on how far back you go. Um, I was
1: I was originally born during the race riots in Milwaukee in the long, hot summer of 1967. So I spent a few months in an orphanage in Milwaukee, and then I was adopted by some folks in Toma, which is a town halfway between Milwaukee and Minneapolis, and uh, and then spent my 18 years growing up in, uh, in Toma, about Town about five thousand people.
0: Wow! So, so you're a small town boy. You were a small town boy.
1: Very much, but I have that. But I always had the uh, connection, sort of in your DNA, I guess you could say, with Milwaukee. And I think that did, that did have something throughout my life to driving me to, you know, want to be back here to practice and, you know, influenced me to some extent. So I like to think about it is is the best of both worlds. You know, I I I I I like things that are very rural, remote. I I like things that are more, you know, pun on my name, urban. A uh, little bit of both. How how far is Toma from Milwaukee? It's halfway between Milwaukee and Minneapolis and it is right on the interstate so they call it where the eye divides.
0: Uh so but but a but a almost a 3-hour drive north. Oh wow. I remember I remember seeing that on the expressway when I drove by I thought Jay Urban I said I remember one time that you and I were uh at some tavern somewhere we were talking and and I heard your story and I've always fat, been fascinated by it um you know I I uh, I, I always like hearing adoption stories and and where people came from I know I I, I want to say that the um Steve Jobs was uh adopted as well and what what the world would be like without Apple? Um, I don't know what it would be like because I mean we're I think I'm talking to you on an Apple phone, and you know a lot of a lot of these broadcasts are on an Apple um, brand. Um, so the world's a little bit different because Jay Urban is around. Well. Joe, you didn't have to set the bar that high. <laughs> well, I I don't think, but, but, am, you're, but
1: you're right. Steve, Steve, Steve Jobs was also I think he was Syrian, but he was he was adopted by a by a Wisconsin farm family, and he grew up in a larger community than I did. I think the Green Bay area. But yes, he's probably the famous, the most, you know, uh, business wise famous adoptee from from wisconsin um, we've had a couple we've had some other tech entrepreneurs from wisconsin mark Andreessen grew up in in the area close to me and he was the one that started whatever the predecessor of you know before there was google there was like netscape or something like that so uh yeah but you're right i mean there's 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 good stock here
0: yeah absolutely in the hinterland. yeah I, I never knew until just now that uh, steve jobs was from uh wisconsin that's yeah that's that's right i'm i'm trying to think if his sister is cuz he has an adopted
1: sister too and i, I just don't know the, enough about his story i should i should but uh but i do know for a fact that he that he did he did grow up with um in in wisconsin tell me about growing up in toma you know Toma's an ideal place to be a young boy back then in the 70s you know we were able to I I lived in a in a kind of a more remote part of town and, and there was a park nearby and we would play pickup, you know, baseball all the time, hockey, pond hockey, all that kind of thing. It was really a kind of a perfect place. There's a, a the most famous, you know, fiction writer from Toma is is a guy who wrote a book called The, the Diary of the Kid Last Picked. And it, and it really he, he went on to become a San Francisco journalist but he wrote this book about growing up in tolman in the 70s and it was it's kind of like what you would read about in a like a comic book or something like that like we could walk to the swimming pool nobody was really monitoring everything so kind of a a world gone by it was just small enough to be like that and then and then that's you know so at a very young age i didn't really have a lot of contact with what a lawyer was except my lot my my block was vacant it was like wooded and uh and and the the most prominent lawyers in town, they each built houses across the street. And I thought, oh,
0: that's what lawyers do. <laughs> so um, tell, was your high school, were you, were you like uh, pretty successful in high school and all that? Um,
1: you, you know, my, I wouldn't say I'm the, 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 the smartest book person in the world and, or, or school. I would never, if I, was, if I was interested in something, I would apply myself. I think there's a commonality among trial lawyers in that regard sometimes or what type of intelligence and things like that. My, uh, my, my schooling was influenced by a guy who is now our governor, Tony Evers. Tony Evers was my science teacher growing up. He was my principal in, in middle school and then my principal in high school. So I've known him my whole life and he was, he was the one that first told me because I was organizing some sort of disturbance in, in middle school about some injustice that I should be a lawyer. So that, that with, with the neighbor doing it uh, is kind of how it was. So I was, I was a good student, but not a
0: great student. So tell me about your first, I, I, you know, one of the things that I always remember, and I think one of the reasons why I like owning um, my own business is uh, my first job that I started um, in seventh grade was I had my own paper route. And so I, I went and um, I delivered the H- Yakima Herald Republic, and it was a morning route, and 150 or so papers were dropped off. I had to fold them all, and I delivered them on my bike, and got done around six six thirty. I developed a a healthy relationship with bakeries that were open at six thirty in the morning, and uh, you know it gave me that whole uh, idea of. I actually had to go door to door collecting every month for the you know to to pay for the paper and I found out a lot about people that way and I think it that's kind of gave me enough background to, to talk to people when I'm picking a jury and and figure out who would be the most fair for a case. How about you? Tell me about some of your first jobs. Well, it's actually very I think we've had that
1: conversation because That that was my first job, too. Uh, I didn't have my own route when I was even too young to probably be doing it. I subbed for a guy who was on my hockey team. And and so, um, yes, being entrepreneurial that way. And then my first job, actually, I was a cartoonist. That's how I ended up being um, uh, involved with my principal. So he let me do kind of a satire cartoon in the in the school bulletin. And then that morphed itself into me doing these, I'd paint these caricatures of people in the community on a, on a cedar plank and people still have them, you know, so they would sell them for Christmas and all this kind of stuff. So I, 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 that's how I made my money before I was able to work. And then, and then when I did turn, I think you could get a work permit at 15. Then I worked, you know, I had a job in the grocery store we'd get up early and and, uh, you know, do that kind of thing. So I always, I always worked and I was always very entrepreneurial. And I think that you're right. There's very few careers that you can do that in anymore. Law being, you know, be, being our kind of law is one of them. I, so I do look at those early experiences the same way that you
0: do, Joe. Yeah, you know, I, um, people ask me sometimes what I do for a living and I tell them I'm a 100% commissioned salesman. I like I
1: like using in college, I, I, took, I, I became a bartender then and so i think it's also like being a bartender
0: <laughs> how so
1: well you're you're interacting all with sort all of sorts people. of people in 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 the public and sometimes they want your advice and sometimes they don't and uh, and but but they all they all want it and they and and you're you know you're before the the reason I, I always thought the reason that they called it that you passed the bar is because in the wild west you know the the trials were in the taverns you know the judge would run the circuit and, and, you know, they, that's how you would, you would settle your dispute. Hope, hopefully without not out a lot of alcohol. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so I always liked, I always like the bar, So the, the, the best bartending gig I had then was, um, I, I had a regular group that would come in on Sunday for brunch and they, they wouldn't drink a lot. And, and I never knew what the group was at first, but I was sworn to secrecy. And it turns out it was the, uh, the house leader for the, for the Republicans. And it was the governor at the time, um, I'm blanking on his name uh, and anyway, they would, they would just discuss what was going to happen in the state for the week. Really? And, and they would do, and they would do it over a bloody Mary and, and, and that's a far cry, you know, so that, that brings us to the eighties, but that's a far cry from how politics are done now. That's Yeah. Sure. So, and, uh, and so I, so I always had that, that kind of, and, and they'd occasionally ask me what I thought about a certain thing. So that's, that's really what led to me then learning even more about the politics of law and, you know whose side are you on? Because I didn't know really what kind of lawyer I wanted to be. There was no, there was no such thing in a small town, Jill. Probably like you, of, of a of a personal injury lawyer like what we do. There, there was no subspecialty. No, like
0: no. Where, where I grew up in in Yakima, Washington, um, you know, I, I basically you know, when I was in college, I I spent a summer um, interning for the uh, state's attorney's office. They called the prosecuting attorney's office out there and um so i got a heavy dose of what the criminal law folks do the police officers and then the prosecuting attorneys and public defenders and i tell you i was to 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 put it mildly i was definitely determined not to be in that arena just because of how depressing it was to see you know these folks that um you know most of it was a lot of local, you know, um, preying on on people close to them, and I just, um, you know, I I I couldn't. I was so happy that there was very very gifted people that were dealing with those situations, and there was other areas of law where we could get into to help people that was not that. So um, yeah, and and Yakima, I didn't really. I I don't at the time I didn't really know much about the private. Uh, lawyers much. But yeah, in small towns, you you pretty much have to do a number of different things to, uh, to survive. And that's the kind of lawyer I thought I was
1: going to, I because mean, I did then take the advice that I was given by these different mentors. Um, you know, my folks were very, very supportive. And we had, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, but we weren't wanting for anything ever growing up. And but they weren't in the in the law or any of those kind of professions. So I took that that advice seriously, but I didn't know you know what type of lawyer I would end up being until later, and almost until law
0: school actually. So let's let's go let's back up. So you you graduate from Toma, and what did you decide to where did you decide to go to college? I ended up going into the university. You know, I went to a public.
1: Grade school, high school, and so forth, and then uh, and then ended up going to the University of Wisconsin system. So I graduated from uh, Madison at an English degree, and, and at that time, even going into college, I knew that it was just a stepping stone. I knew I was going to be a lawyer, so really all I did was take classes that would help me prepare to go to law school or to take the LSAT. So I took a lot of philosophy, a lot of history, a lot of English. That was my route. I mean, as you know. People go into it different ways. Engineering, there's no there's no, no field that you can't go into. But that's so that's what I did. I had a liberal liberal arts education, and then uh, and then when I graduated, um, got waitlisted at Madison for law school, and, and got in at Marquette, and that's where I always had that kind of DNA pull or whatever you want to call it to come back to Marquette. And so I went for you know to Milwaukee because I'd only been to Milwaukee before coming to visit the law school one time. And when I came to the law school, I met a professor named Professor Giardi, James Giardi. And, and you know, he's passed away now, but he, at that time, ran a, ran a practice series of classes all about tort law. And, and so he, I didn't know what a tort was. And, and he, you know, I, so I, studied, I, I read his book and I watched that and I ended up taking his whole thing. So when I graduated from law school, I was able to try a case within a week. Between the the trial practice course they have there and the tort system, I understand that the law school is completely different now, and they don't have that because I hire lawyers out of there and I hire clerks, and they don't have that anymore. But it ended up being that ended up being the best thing that I ever did. And I know you have you, you and I have talked about this. You've had children go to Marquette. You've had other people go to Marquette. I think you might have even gone to Marquette. And so this that Jesuit uh, Socratic method of education, and especially in our field, I feel
0: really was. Um, really was what launched but, you know I, I one thing that um, that I really uh, look at when, I, when I'm thinking about hiring somebody um, I, I really do like a, a liberal arts education uh, just because I, I think to to be great in in business I don't care if it's law or whatever you need to be able to write well you need to be able to read well and understand and you need to be able to understand history and what motivates people. And you, you need to learn to be able to speak well as well. And um, I think, you know, if you have a well-rounded education in that regard, um, obviously we, we want the medical people to, to, to definitely know organic chemistry and all those things, obviously. But I'm talking about in, in the outside business world, like what we're in, um, you know, an English degree or a history degree, which is what I have, are, is is really good because I think, if you develop a lifelong curiosity for why things happened or how things happened in the past, you know, it's, it's a, it's a healthy thing because um, the worst thing you can do is think, you know, all the answers and, you know, the, you need to keep questioning. I, I, I agree, but um, you're right. I do have a couple kids that, that um, have gone through Marquette. I have one that's a senior now, and then I have one that's a sophomore. Um, I ended up going to college out in the, um, the West coast at a little town, a little school called University of Portland, this little small, um, uh, Holy Cross school, uh, about 3,000 kids now, I think. Um, and, uh, really, really, uh, good school for me, but, um, yeah, so you get your English degree, you're, you're off to Marquette, you, you do well there that, so most people just go right to a big firm after that. What did you do? Uh, well, kind of made a mistake, I think, but, at
1: the, t- at the time the economy was down and I, and I'm j- I just always was stubborn. Well, if you call my my parents would call it stubborn, but I just had this sort of overdeveloped sense of justice to quote the princess bride. And so I re I refused to take an insurance company or defense or any other job. And I had to pay for law school myself with loans. And, and so I really should have done that, but instead I was just insistent that I was going to only do plaintiff work. And, and that, made it very hard to get a job. So I started, what I did was um, just started going through the phone book back then and showing up at at law firms that did that kind of work. And I would draw, I, I figured my leg up would be hand delivering my resume and they would have known that I went through this trial practice. So I did very, very well towards the end of law school when it came to you know mock trial and trial practice and the tort stuff. And so I went around and hand delivered my resume but the economy was really bad uh, then this is the early nineties. And, um, and, and so I, I got, I did finally get a job with a firm that had like a high volume of, uh, of low dollar cases. And I thought to myself, well, I'm not going to make enough money to support myself, but I'm going to learn between my schooling and between, you know, trying cases right away. I'm going to learn more than everybody else, uh, by doing it. And so that was, that, that was, that so was you, how I started. You
0: get uh, right away. You're end up trying cases, huh?
1: I tried my first case within a week oh of goodness. graduating because we don't, Wisconsin has a diploma privilege. If you go to one of the Wisconsin schools and your, and your school will vouch for your ethics, you, you can get a license. I was licensed to practice law. We graduated, you know, May 12th. And by the 18th, I had my license and I tried a case wow. in, in June, my first injury case. Cause it was, because it was ready to try. And my boss at the time, uh, brought. I think the reason that he brought me in is because he had been very successful with this volume type practice, but he he needed to be in the office. So his job was he would manage all the cases, settle all the cases. He knew how to try a case, and he and he taught me that as best he could. And and but but my job was to handle all the cases when they came into litigation. So I had over a hundred files dropped on my desk right away that were in some various phase of litigation where Please, I had to get Jeff. discovery out and uh yeah i remember remember it was it was a whiplash case and it was actually uh, an easier case to try because the defense had admitted liability and so the and and the other advantage of the case is they you didn't always have to pay the jury fee and so the case was also tried to a judge so it was a great first experience um because i didn't have the thing they don't teach you in law school is how to pick a jury which is the most important part of trial (laughs) And so I, I was able to, to try the first one in front of a judge, but it was a, a whiplash
0: type of case and I beat the offer. So uh, my, my boss was happy with me. <laughs> I got to come to work the next week. Well, that's great. So how, how long did you, did you basically apprentice with that, that firm?
1: So I, did that, so I did that for a few years and then I just realized a couple of things. Number one, that the only way to be successful in, in your and my kind of work is you can either be a really, really good lawyer and work for a, a, a big shop or, or you have to be able to develop a way to get your own business and I've always been you know pretty social, I guess that's the bartender in me and so I just started getting really involved in the community and our organizations and I started bringing in my own cases and then and then um, and then another firm in town was looking for uh, a couple of firms actually were looking for what what was called a, then a lateral hire I don't know if they still call it that now, so I went to the complete opposite end of the spectrum. I then went to a firm that had high dollar cases but very very few cases so i would concentrate just on you know co-working up as part of the team you know high dollar cases but what ended up happening is i just started even as a young lawyer getting a lot of cases including out of my hometown so that that curve so i mean we talk about flattening the curve and everything like that that curve ended up happening for me pretty quickly for somebody who did not Who did not grow up in milwaukee so i ended up developing so i did the first job for a few years the second job for a few years and then i decided to go out on my own and i did it and i did it the right way the only cases that i brought with me were cases that i had signed up or generated and uh and some of my and i I happened to have generated a couple of really good cases and those people were loyal enough to go with this young lawyer in 1999 to start his own firm and um and then the wow, rest so of history, over 21 say, years you've been so far.
0: practicing under your own firm, huh?
1: That's right. That's right. A classmate of mine from law school that I met on the first day of law school because he's a T and I'm a U. Yeah. So it's urban and Taylor. And uh, we, we were, we were friends right away. We had similar upbringings, you know, uh, we're involved in sports, small towns, that kind of thing. Although he's from Missouri
0: and we've been practicing been ever, nice. ever, I've been to ever your, since. Your, uh, your building there in Milwaukee, it's an impressive building. Um, is, uh, are you, are you, you still have an office there in Milwaukee? Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. So we started when we started the firm, we started in historic old building and then, and you're right. So I, at the time I didn't know how I was going to kind of evolve into a, the practice of it. And and you and I, we met pretty soon after that, Joe, I'm pretty sure But anyway, I wanted to buy a building because I thought I would have a, I didn't want to be an advertiser in the sense that I had a billboard or something like that, but I always have been into signage and marketing. And so we wanted to, so we bought a small office building and all our tenants now are, are, but I bought it at the wrong time. I bought it during another uh, uh, crash. And so my anchor tenant was a subprime lender. (laughs) They went under and we ended up filling, we ended up filling the, the building though with other lawyers. So we have other lawyers in the building that do different things. And that's ended up being a robust way to practice too, because things come up when you have to do, you know, we have collection lawyers in our building, we've got a, a bankruptcy lawyer, we've got a family lawyer, and then my firm has the top floor. And uh, so I still practice, I, that, that's still the plan. And um, and actually through this time, I evolved into having an office in Toma, which, which was a, an office share and probably a, a, a significant number of my cases come throughout the state through that tome area and i'm now in the process of trying to uh up my presence there a little bit because my partner in the Toma office is now the the local judge and um and so i'm going to i'm going to do something a little bit
0: more official oh, that's great i um, you're like riding the circuit now you know like lincoln you're riding the circuit through wisconsin now <laughs> a, a bit a bit a bit i don't
1: know that there's anybody here you know there's the Milwaukee lawyers who are a lot of, a lot of great talent and um, there's the Madison lawyers also a lot of really great talent and and then there's I I've, I've got um, a friendly relationship with who we we'd even consider to be our competitors I mean I guess you know they're working on the same type of case but but I never really looked at it that way so I end up co-trying cases with other lawyers uh in in that part of the state from my town I mean really Every single county, and I don't know that there's a lot of folks that that, that go everywhere with that often, but um, but usually only in two areas. Like I know you and I both have really honed our specialty into the trucking or the catastrophic injury type cases, either trucking or nursing home. So I do a fair amount of
0: those, but a lot of auto work still, and you know different different ways that folks get hurt. That's great. So you know, I when when I interview people. Um... You know, one of the things that, that people want to know when they hire a lawyer, it, it, they want to know your track record. And, and you know, you're, I was checking out your little homework and checked out your website and wow, you've got a lot, you know, a lot of accomplishments for which I consider to be a young man. Um But um, can you, I know there's been a lot of defining moments in your, uh, your personal life, but maybe you could share with us uh, a defining moment or two that, that, you know, that basically, you know, may have accelerated your growth as a as a person. Boy,
1: I mean, unfortunately, probably the most significant thing is you, you and I share, you almost lost your wife and I did lose, you know, my wife and that and, and we had young kids at the time. And that level of trauma uh, really defines you probably more than anything else. And so my Biggest verdict accomplishments came really, at, you know, at, not not just by coincidence, but you know, significantly after that, where I felt like the the tragedy and the hardship made me connect on a whole nother level, maybe. Um, and then and then fortunately was lucky enough to meet somebody and fall in love again. And I'm married, and she's also a lawyer. And so, you know, sometimes the great experiences define you in that way too. So I think that you know, overcoming these things, overcoming. Hardship uh, is is also good, but i've probably the most significant thing professionally has been the loyalty of my clients like you like you and I have talked about jill they, they, when they when they put their whole you know we can have another case they they only can have one case, and they put that trust in you that you 're not going to accept that offer for you know a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars or whatever and and to take that risk and to you know what you and I had to do is essentially bet your house to to go to trial that that is the most defining thing that is the most awesome and and to see just sometimes it doesn't always happen but to see justice get done when you've essentially
0: bet everything you No, know, I, I was looking at your website amazing. and um i see that, that you've been in leadership at the uh, wisconsin uh, association for justice um forever but uh now you're in pretty big leadership huh Oh, yes, yeah, next
1: year will be well, if, if things maintain on course, uh, next year I'll be the President of the Wisconsin Association for Justice, which, as you know, is our trade organization. And you and I have met each other through the through the national part of that, the American Association of Justice. and those things have been very uh, important for my career. the ne- The networking on the statewide level, and the, you know, that has been essential for my development professionally and and then the networking on the national level has been probably even greater because like, for example, you and I are not always in each other's backyards. So you and I, you will co-refer cases to each other, work together, share, share names of, you know, experts, experiences, things like that. So there's you, you and I share that in common as well, Joe, is that, 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 that having, that having that, um, Co-mentorship while you're while you're going through similar things just makes you a better. It could, you you never know when you need it either. I mean you could, you can be prepping on something in the middle of the night, and all of a sudden you'll have that idea that you learned from your colleague, and you can turn things around. It's it's really, that's an important part of our. I I feel like I'm a a poster now for our organization and to get more involved. But that is that is absolutely you know, true. Sometimes we learn, I, we learn from um, each other. I think
0: people are a little short-sighted with you know some of these things are pretty expensive. Some of these groups that that we belong to um, and, um, you know, the, the travel, like for example, uh, you know, when, when there's national conventions that we need to go to and they're in far flung areas and, you know, you end up having to pay, you know, all the dues, et cetera. And then you have to pay for the hotel and the, and the, um, the flights, et cetera. But, you know, one of the things that, that I, I believe in any business is the richness of your life is the depth of your relationships and um you know one of the things that that there's that as a as a as a lawyer that that does what we do there's a there's a common bond between a lot of us 100 percent commission uh salesmen is that you know we we all um Basically, are on the line with our clients because we believe in them. And you know, when when you meet another uh, woman or man who's who's gone through that type of thing, where they stand next to a client in front of a jury or a judge, I think that the jury can sense that connection that we have with our clients that that we really want to and you know to advocate for them, but we're standing with them. Um, and to meet those folks at these different conventions and, you know, these lifelong relationships, I, uh, I mean, they're invaluable, aren't they? Uh, I go too. And really the the
1: reason I got into it is I figured that that would be the best way to learn at a higher level, that if, if people were going to kind of hold back locally a little bit uh, because of a sense of competition that I felt like I, why not learn from the best lawyers in the country? So that's kind of how I started at it. But I agree with you hundred percent Joe that what it's evolved into is the closest of that bond when I go to trial, I feel of course the the closeness first and foremost and always to my client but but I think what a jury feels in us too is our overall commitment to justice anywhere and and to getting you know that if I do well for this person today then that's going to help your person tomorrow and 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 that that ability to to be with those folks and you don't really realize you know I had that an opportunity the hard way to, to learn how strong that bond is because I've had to have a, a funeral of a close family member. And I, and I watched those folks that I had met really only through national conventions and, and talking with and co-speaking with and doing cases with showed up in force and then, and then getting married again. The, at, who, who comes to Milwaukee in December for a wedding? I, you know, I had people from Florida coming up and, you know, that th- these these people that I have known throughout my whole life that are, you know, dear friends, but share this overwhelming commitment to justice. That is, that is, you're right, it's expensive. And, and now to sustain our organizations, because we're up against some powerful interests. I'm even... You know, doing a sustaining membership at the leadership level—it's a lot of money, but it comes back to you not just in referrals, but what you learn. If you learn something from somebody that increases the value of the case for your client, uh, I look at it as an investment. Investment, like and like you said, the personal investment,
0: and then the professional investment. So um, let's switch gears here a little bit. Um, Can you tell us any defining, you know, specific cases that you worked on that that really? made you feel, and still to this day, make make you feel like, you know, you, that you picked the right profession and, and that they get you up in the morning and, and say, listen, I want to go do that for somebody else. You know, that's really almost any one
1: of them, right? Because you and I have had this discussion where I never really look at it. Like, let's say one person's case is... I don't look at it as oh that's a mil- my million dollar case or that's my ten million dollar case or that's my you know ten thousand dollar keep the light on sort of case. So I think first of all you're either you're either built to help everybody or you shouldn't be taking the case. And and to some extent we have to say no sometimes on that. But um, but I really had a defining case uh, where it was so significant and I was at sort of the lowest point after uh, you know my, my wife had had died under absolutely traumatic circumstances. And I had this big case set for trial and, um, and, and so the defense had tried to take advantage of some of those things. And, and I figured to myself, if my client had been crushed within like a millimeter of his life behind a semi truck and had bled out completely and stood back up, if he could do that, then I could do that for him in a courtroom where they were trying to blame him and blame everything else on him. And, um, and so that was really, uh, you know, going in on a no offer case, and uh, you know the the award was one of the record awards here, uh, you know, over over ten million dollars when all is said and done, and um, when when nobody thought you could win that case, and the case came in. I try I tried it with a dear friend of mine who I had only met through these national trial or conventions. We happened to be in New Orleans, you know, three years before this case got tried, and we were sitting in a meeting together. Because we were both in our respective leadership in Ohio, and a mutual friend of ours in Las Vegas happened to be the sister of this person in Wisconsin. And so, and he's and he's crushed. And so we immediately get on airplanes and and fly to meet him at the hospital here in Milwaukee and and just poured everything into that case. And then my trauma happened, you know, midway through it, but he didn't give up on me, my client didn't give up on me, and that was just the most inspirational thing that I think I could I could ever have. And here you can talk to your jurors afterwards and they were hugging us, and uh, you know one of the jurors I'm friends with to this day he and I enjoy this i I didn't know this at the time because of course you can't fraternize with the jury, but he and I enjoy the same type of music, and so when we have concerts again or when we have concerts, i'll see him at basically every concert we ever have so that that one though as a as a defining like sort of the winning big and the unwinnable case doesn't happen very often, but that's probably the most defining thing that'll I don't know. I'd like to think I can do it every time, but, um, but that might be the high point.
0: You know, I was going through um, your uh, website and, um, you know, I was looking at, um, you know, a lot of your background. And and one of the things that always catches me with very successful um, business people, you know, lawyers, doctors, uh, you know, bankers or whatever, or even just Successful people in general is they're very involved in their community. They're very involved in giving back to the community. And um, are there any spe- specific organizations that that are near and dear to your heart that that you really like to 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 work with in in Milwaukee? Over the you're right. We and I,
1: I put those on the website because I also like you think that's important when we you know, hold ourselves out there that people know that we're part of our communities. So I've done a number of different projects. I rehabbed a, um, started a friend organization to rehab a park and, and, uh, and we've always been givers back. We've given, you know, our law firm gives scholarships for people to go to school that have an interest in safety. Uh, you know, we've done that over time. I've sponsored the, the, you know, exclusively sponsored because the public school can't afford always people to go to the mock trial tournaments. So the local school to my office where my, my daughter goes to school, but she doesn't, this is an in-between age for, for my, my two daughters. Um, so I've, I've, sponsor, I've been the, the top sponsor to send the mock trial team who won the state tournament to go on to compete nationally. They couldn't have otherwise have done that if they didn't raise money. So I've always done that level of sponsorship. And actually, um, the person that was calling me on the other line right now is we have a trauma hospital here called Frederick, and I've been watching this COVID-19 uh, thing happen. And I've seen a lot of people, and I also like to eat, as you know, when you look at me. Uh, so there's all the restaurants that are having trouble right now, but there's also some organic uh, food providers and things like that. And I've been looking to see, you know, these people that are, the, are healthcare workers, and right now, it, it, more than ever, are so essential and I look at all the people that I've represented that have been at that trauma unit and now that's where they're sending all the COVID-19 people and I'm thinking to myself, well, these people can't survive on cheeseburgers and pizza. So I'm in the process now, I funded today, uh, tomorrow, everybody, 300 people at that hospital are going to be getting a very healthy meal uh, that is uh, on- online with what you would get at, you know the best farm to table type restaurant with rushing waters, salmon, and uh, I, I want to eat the meal, and so it's a, it's a it's a big expense to do that for our community. But we're sending we're sending over three hundred meals there uh, that that I'm sponsoring tomorrow. Oh
0: man, I love hearing that story. I, I you know I, one of my uh, one of my friends in New York um, worked with a uh, uh, Eric Chaffin's his name um, worked with a, a a deli in New York and provided kids with. 4,000 meals and, and organized it over a week long period. And it was like amazing. And now you're doing this for the trauma folks um, at a hospital. And boy, that's, that stuff is stuff that we all need to do uh, as uh, business people is help these other folks. I mean, you're helping out the restaurant too, you know, by ordering some food from them because nobody's going to restaurants now. Well, exactly. And her thing is even different. She's she's uh, it's a it's a
1: woman owned enterprise from, again, the community right next to where my office is and where we go to school and our kids go to the same schools. But but her thing is more of a of a a, you you know, she would supply to different folks. So she did these meals where, you know, you can bring them into your home. So I think she still has some of that business because she always did the takeout. But everybody is hurting in that in that industry right now. Everybody is hurting, and so. I, but I looked at how much it meant to me when I went through my various tragedies, and your neighbor, you know, brings you a, a we call them hot dish here, but it, like or even a casserole, and um, and and just the comfort of having some just really good quality food and a time of despair, uh, to just keep your energy focused and going. I, I don't have anything against. Fast food necessarily all the time but um, but you know it's it's hard to sustain like that so that's just that's just one I, I think a lot of us right now are just looking at ways that we can help, and I know that you and I had that conversation where you said you know we you and I have had the um, the benefit of representing folks that get referred mostly by other lawyers and so helping out those other lawyers at a time like this or or other other ways in the community so yeah. I think this won't be the only endeavor that I'm going to do, although it's a, it's a very costly one. So I'm hoping to recruit. All
0: right. So there, yeah. 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 That's from, okay. Yeah. From the hospital. Yeah. So, so, so listen, I, um, I want to close this out by, um, you know, we're right, right now we're in the middle of a, uh, a really difficult time for our country in that, um, you know, every, we're forced to all be apart. And, uh, you know, we're conducting this interview. I'm in, I'm in Chicago area and you're in Milwaukee and um, it's so great to to talk to a special guy like you, but it's so hard for all of these other folks that, you know, we're, we're used to getting into one room and coming together. Do you have any, any ideas um, or, or words that that, uh, to, for folks to, to kind of get through this?
1: Now, I don't know if I'm a real philosopher or uh, I don't know about about that. I know what it's done for me is it's just, and, and uh, so I had a little tragedy over the weekend too. There's a, there's a lawyer in town that was more of a political friend and you know we didn't even really like each other for the first 10 years that we practiced. Maybe our personalities were too too dissimilar or too similar and we would fight and things like that. He found himself diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and he, it, it, it took his life over the weekend oh. and so and so we 've been posting on some social media about that and I look back at the times that i you know just spent with him and even and even after he was diagnosed, he became the most hopeful he was always hopeful and uplifting as acerbic as he could be and as argumentative he was equally philosophical and and so the last times that I would sit with him he would still be wanting to talk about the law and 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 you know how who are you going to raise money for so that we can you know you know get our get our system of justice back or keep it safe and, and and during during anything and so i've been drawing a lot about inspiration from folks like that and you know from from within like i said i just we all want to do something right now and i think that will bring out the best in us i i wish that our our some of our leaders were doing a better job at that but um that that's what i think that that I'm looking at at least. And I know that you and I have always shared that sort of, you know, commitment to in in tragedy, bringing out our best selves in some way. Uh,
0: so we're closing up this, this, this fella, Jay Urban grew up in ToMa, born in Milwaukee, returned to his roots and is now one of the tr- leading trial lawyers in Wisconsin. Thank you so much for taking time to, to visit with us. And, um, I hope that you'll, you'll jump on again when you have, uh, some great news to share. Will you, will you make that commitment to us? I will do. And, and my admiration for you is, is it goes both ways, Joe. Well, thank you so much, my friend, and you have a great day and we'll get through this. All right. Thank you for listening to the opening statement with Joe Shannon. You can find us on the internet at shannonlawgroup.com or telephone our office at 312-578-9501. Have a terrific day.